Welcome to the Cut It Straight Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. Cut It Straight is a podcast helping you pursue excellence in your preaching and ministry. In today's episode, we're going to continue our series, 12 Marks of the Man of God. I hope you enjoy. Episode 4. I'm your host, Pastor Nate Whitley. In today's episode, we're going to continue our series, 12 Marks of the Man of God. In episode 2, we began our study looking at 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verses 6 through 15. In that episode, I gave you the 12 marks of the man of God. We're going to pick up where we left off. I've gave you the first four in that episode, and today we're going to look at the next four. And so we're going to begin reading today in 1 Timothy chapter number 4, beginning at verse number 7. Paul says, Rather, train yourself for godliness. In his letter to Timothy, Paul admonishes the young man to exercise himself unto godliness. He is to discipline himself for the purpose of godliness. The term godliness is used no less than 30 times in the New Testament. With this term being used so many times, it certainly means that God does not want believers to overlook its significance. Strong's Concordance defines godliness as piety and holiness. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words defines godliness as to be devout, denotes that piety which characterized by a Godward attitude, does that which is well-pleasing to God, end quote. When we recognize someone as godly or someone who is permeating with godliness, we understand that he or she is more than just someone who attends a church. Godliness is the act of being devout and being totally devoted to Christ. It's not just an idea or a religion. It is a lifestyle. It is a believer who is devoted to God, who is devoted to pleasing God. He or she walks in complete obedience to Jesus Christ. This disciplining would take work. It would take effort and toil and labor for Timothy. If Timothy is going to pursue godliness, he is going to have to put the work in. It would be Timothy's personal responsibility to work on and exercise his own godliness. The same holds true for you and I. Timothy could not rely on his grandmother or mother's godliness. Timothy could not even claim Paul's godliness. This was going to be Timothy's personal pursuit. You and I, we can't rely upon somebody else's holiness or godliness. We must pursue it ourselves with work, with effort, with labor. Because godly people are disciplined people. We must train ourselves unto godliness. If we want to exude power and strength spiritually, We must exercise our spiritual man. More importantly, to demonstrate godliness, we have to exercise that spirituality in our life. I've wrote about this at length in my book, The Lost Art of Spiritual Disciplines. You can find that book on Amazon or iBooks. Next, Paul says in verse number 10, For to this end we toil and strive. Listen to what Pastor John MacArthur says. Quote, the ministry of excellence is not only a heavenly pursuit demanding divine power, but also an earthly task demanding hard work, 
End quote. The word labor means to work to the point of weariness and exhaustion. The word strive in the Greek is the source of our English word agony. It means to engage in a struggle. Both the discipline for godliness and excellence in ministry are hard work. Ministry is serious work. This is not for the lazy or for the procrastinators. Hard work in ministry isn't just for the study or preparing for messages. It's in the prayer room. It's in counseling sessions. It's in overseeing the care of the flock. It's late nights and early mornings. And most of the time, the only reward you will receive is eternal. Applauds and accolades from people pale in comparison to God's approval. An excellent minister lives with hope. And that hope is not motivated by instant gratification or immediate fulfillment. But Paul says he has his fixed hope on the living God. That's what our hope is in. Our hope is in God. And so when we're tired, when we're stressed out, when we're weary, Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 7, that we can cast all our cares on God because He cares for us. So when you feel tired, when you feel feel weary, you can cast your cares on God because He cares not just for the sheep, He cares for the shepherd. Next, Paul says in verse number 11 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, that the man of God is marked by teaching with authority. He says, command and teach these things. As a minister, your duty is to know and proclaim the Word of God. Some believe that preaching is yelling and teaching is telling. Uh, That's an interesting way to put it. However, you cannot teach what you do not know. The same holds true for preaching. Preaching is proclaiming and teaching is explaining. The word command in the Greek means to prescribe or to order. Teaching carries the implication of passing on truth to others. We cannot teach what we do not possess, and we cannot teach with authority if we do not have convictions about our subject. Paul says, teach these things. Going back to the beginning of chapter 4, Paul exhorts Timothy to avoid and confront false doctrine. That's in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Then in verse 10, Timothy's hope was in the living God, who was the Savior of all men, especially those who believe. In other words, Timothy is to command and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and continue to confront false doctrine. To know and teach correct doctrine, you must know the absolutes. You must have a commitment to the authority of God's word. If you have doubts concerning the absolute authority of God's word, then you will have faulty preaching and teaching. You must accurately interpret God's scripture. You must learn to cut astray, rightly divide the word of truth. Preaching and teaching that lacks authority, and authority does not mean saying it loudly or yelling or pounding your fist on the pulpit. No. Teaching and preaching with authority means you're saying it with conviction that you know that this is true. It's not just truth, but I know it to be true. Number eight, the man of God is to set an example for spiritual maturity. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Timothy was a young man overseeing the largest body of believers in Christianity at that time in history. Many were concerned about his youth or his lack of experience. 
which could be very understandable. Paul tells him, though, Do not let anyone despise you for your youth. Timothy was going to have to earn the respect of the people despite his age. Greek culture placed high value on age. The Greeks respected the elderly, and if anyone who was young, would, they would have to earn their respect, especially if they were going to be leading and preaching. As young ministers, you must not allow your youth to be a stumbling block for others. Instead, set the example. What was Timothy, and what are we to be a model for? Well, Paul says it right here. He says, be an example in your speech, in your conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. We are to be models. We are to be examples. We are to be the pattern for others. And this is true in all these things. So let's look at these. Speech. According to Jesus, a man's speech reflects what's in their heart. That's Matthew 12, verses 34 through 37. The mouth speaks what the heart is filled with. It can either be evil or good. As young ministers, We need to lay aside carnal, worldly speech. Our generation needs an example of good speech from the young preachers. This is not just a command for the pulpit, but in every situation and at all times. We should be an example, as Paul says, in our conduct. A minister needs to be an example of good conduct and behavior. Don't live by the motto, do as I say, not as I do. There have been many young ministers who have been influenced by ministers who say one thing in the pulpit but do something completely contrary outside of the pulpit. This should not be named among us, brothers. We want the respect of our elders and the people we shepherd. We must set the pattern for holy living and conduct. This is in our speech and in our conduct. Next, we are to be an example with our love. I said this on Twitter this week. If I speak and know the mysteries of theology and doctrine, but don't love people, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. The young minister is to be an example of love. Don't just love preaching. Don't just love the pulpit. Love people. Love the church. Love sinners. Love your families. Love your city. Too many fall in love with the pulpit but don't love people. Too many love crowds, but don't love people. Brethren, we need to love. Jesus said this in John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus Christ is our example. He is the ultimate pattern of loving people, for he laid down his life for his friends. The man of God is to be an example in faith. The word Paul uses here is not in reference to saving faith or belief. No, this is in reference to faithfulness. Though you are young, be committed. Be faithful. Be faithful to church, not just when you preach and when you minister. Be there when you're not being used. Be faithful to the ministry. Be faithful to your pastor. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to the work that God has called you to. If you're not committed, then the people you will lead will not be committed. If you're constantly missing from your duties or continually wanting to find something else to do, then you will not earn the respect of your elders. Be faithful, brothers. 
Be faithful in all that you do. If you are to teach a Sunday school class, be there. Be there on time. If you're to be uh, in the choir, if you're singing or you're playing an instrument, be there. You should be faithful to work days. Be faithful to uh, winning souls. Be faithful. Don't just be faithful when it's your turn to preach, but be committed. Finally, Paul says you're to be an example in purity. This word for purity in the Greek is referring to sexuality. Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22 to flee youthful lusts. Brothers, do not allow your youth and emotions to get the best of you. Set the example in purity. This is just as connected to the previous three commands. Be pure in your speech. Be pure in your conduct. Be pure in your love. Be pure in your faith. Don't be a part of filthy conversations. Don't act crude and vile. Be pure in your conduct. Be committed to your wife. Be a one-woman man that Paul speaks of in 1 Timothy 3.2. Present your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. If you will do these things, if you will pursue this, then no one will be able to look down on your youth or your age. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Cut It Straight. We'll continue this study, the 12 marks of the man of God, in our next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Cut It Straight podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. For more information and blog posts, go to nswhitley.com. Follow me on Twitter at nswhitley. Also, be sure to like and share my page on Facebook, nswhitley.